Western Teacher Live, talking about public education, unionism and much more. Well, hello and welcome to Western Teacher Live. This is part two of our wellbeing series for new educators in particular, but a lot of these messages are going to apply to all teachers. That's the reality, especially uh, at a time when uh, the whole sector is under so much pressure. Chloe Hoskin is here with me, uh, Bob Fick, uh, to talk about the um, rights that you have at work, the rights that you can ensure that uh, you do get access to to make your career more enjoyable and uh, um, to avoid getting burnout too early in your teaching career. So, uh, Chloe, um, we were talking in part one of this podcast about a range of different things within the agreement. One of the most important ones, perhaps, is toil, which is time off in, in, in lieu. What does that actually mean and why is it so important? All right, so... Time off in lieu is fantastic because it really does mean time off. So it's not extra dot time. Um, you don't and you don't have to be on site. Sometimes, if you you know your school's really short staffed, when we're talking about toil, your school might substitute that for P toil, which is paid time off in lieu, which means you get a payment instead of the time off. Um, but the deal with toil is that if you're working outside of official student instruction time, so for example, if you go into a school camp or you are working at a music or a drama performance on the weekend, or maybe you've needed to complete your graduate modules online or during the school holidays, it's all work, um, you can apply for TOIL. It's really, really important that you negotiate that with your principal before you take on the work and get that commitment in writing. So even if you just go have a casual chat with them and say, hey, look, there's no graduate module fours coming up in the next um, couple of months except this one in the holidays that has a space. So I think I'm going to need to do it in the holidays. Is it all right if I get that um, as TOIL or P-TOIL? And, and the principal's, yep, no worries go away from that meeting and just send an email saying, hey, thanks for chatting to me today, just confirming blah, 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 blah. So that then you've got in writing the fact that you've got that toil agreed to because you really need to have it agreed to before you do the extra work. It's really um, it's frustrating when people find out about the toil after they've already done the work. Look, you should also um, be able to apply for toil where you're required to collect data from multiple sources for the same area of student achievement. So some schools, you find that you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. In those cases, you can apply for TOIL as well. And also, if you are required to complete assessments, so for child protection reasons or by external psychologists or for, for medical reasons. So again, those are the sort of circumstances where you can um, go to your principal and have a chat about whether you can have that time off in lieu to compensate you for the extra work that you're needing to do. Good, thank you for that and uh, make sure you do apply for that toil because uh, if you get in the habit of not doing it, it, it can become all too easy uh, to not get uh, the time you do deserve and require to recharge. Um, one thing we also talked about in part one was uh, duties other than teaching, um, the allocation of time for all educators uh, to do things like lesson planning and research and all of the sort of background stuff that people take for granted rather than just standing in front of a class. Uh, and it's really important to optimise your uh, dot time. So explain how people can do that. Yeah, so the dot time, the reason it's so important to optimise the dot time is, again, it's a well-being thing. We need to be able to get at the work that we absolutely have to get done during school hours as much as we possibly can so that we can get back some of our weekends and our afternoons and our school holidays. So 
the main thing you need to know is that you get to decide how best to use your dot time. So dot time, it's not for supervising individual students. It's not for supervising small groups of students and it shouldn't be regularly timetabled to conflict with regular kind of scheduled activities. So like an assembly where you've got to be there again, supervising students. So the dot time is your time. It's for preparing materials, planning lessons, finding resources, doing some professional reading if you have time for such things, um, setting up for lessons, record keeping and report writing. Those kind of activities are what you should be using your dot time for. And look, some schools, um, teachers choose to do collaborative DOT and those collaborative DOT sessions with other teachers who've got DOT at the same time of you as you are absolutely fine as long as they're teacher led and directed and they serve the purpose of sharing, you know, expertise or reducing your workload because you're sharing some work or you're doing some planning together. That's okay. Look, the, the only uh, time where you kind of can lose DOT, so you may sometimes have to supervise students in a non-classroom environment such as a sports carnival or an excursion. So that's the only time really where you're, you might have to miss out on some of that DOT time that you um, would normally have scheduled in. And uh, that dot time, don't forget how important it is. Check up on your Know Your Right sheets on the website, talk to your rep, talk to your local uh, organiser um, and uh, call member assist if you need to. Uh, and another crucial one and becoming more and more important at the moment because of the impact of uh, teacher shortages and we're seeing classes collapsed and uh, some schools having to merge uh, groups um, in order to keep a teacher in front of the classroom is knowing your class size limit. So Chloe, what are those limits? Where can people find them and uh, why are they important? All right, so again, and this is a wellbeing thing because for every extra student that you have in your class, we know that that's extra work outside of class time as well as in class in terms of reports and marking and, and calling parents. So all of these, um, these ideas that we've been talking about are actually your industrial conditions that you can find in your agreement and your award. And this one, class sizes, you can look at the general agreement 2021, check out clause 12. And that will tell you what the class sizes are. So the limits, for example, for 11 and 12, year 11 and 12 classes, just the, the non-practical subjects, 25 students. Look, as Bob said, there are a lot of conditions in schools at the moment that mean that sometimes it's really difficult for schools to actually hit those maximum class sizes. That doesn't mean that you should be thrown into a class with, you know, 27 students, say, in, in year 12 with no additional support. So you are um, entitled some, to some additional support if your class sizes are exceeded, but you want to go into those conversations really carefully and make sure that um, you understand the full situation and that you can preserve your relationships with your school leadership and um, everybody else involved. So the best person to go to to talk about class size issues is your union rep. And again, if you're not uh, super confident approaching your union rep or you're not sure who they are, or perhaps you're at one of our schools that doesn't actually have a branch rep yet, you can give member assist a call. So they'll be really good people to talk to as well about how you go about addressing the issue that you have too many students in one or more of your classes. And that's really good advice. And there also on the website are some tools which can give you an idea of what the class sizes should be and how to raise those issues with some pro forma emails and letters. So again, we're trying to give as many different options for people to get support as we can. And uh, of course, maintaining those good relationships in the school, as Chloe said, can be really important. But that does not mean that you should be put under pressure that makes you feel unwell, that puts you off teaching. 
um, that puts you under greater stress than you are already under. So do make sure that you understand your rights and talk to people who can help you, either your rep, your organiser or member assist. Now, another issue that's getting more and more fraught within schools, of course, because, you know, as we kept on saying, we know there are teacher shortages, no uh, uh, contradiction of that simple fact. And that is that uh, internal relief is becoming more and more demanding. It's becoming more and more demanding for people who really should be out of the classroom and managing things like uh, school leaders and principals. And of course, for every teacher within a school, um, they're getting more and more demands placed on them. So let's talk about internal relief. Yeah, look, this is such a huge one. And um, I think so many of our graduate teachers are really struggling with this. I mean, all teachers are, but when you're a graduate, just that extra time that everything takes to get done and to then find out you've lost your dot time, it's really tough. So the deal with internal relief is that it's basically teaching face-to-face during your dot time. But your dot time is a weekly entitlement. So if you are on a contract, permanent or fixed term, and you're required to do additional teaching as internal relief, you should be paid to compensate you for that lost dot. So at the moment, the rates of pay, um, it's about $45 an hour for a first year graduate and about uh, $59 an hour for someone who's on 2.5, so at the sort of other end of that new educator space, the first five years of teaching. There is a bit of a caveat here. Um, if you're working in the remote teaching service, things are a little bit different in terms of dot time. So you should definitely check out our remote teaching service Know Your Rights sheet on the website to figure out a little bit more about that. But generally, if you are a teacher working in a school on a, on a contract, you are entitled to that payment. But not just that. So under our new agreement, our 2021 general agreement that was recently um, negotiated and signed off and now it's in place, there's a new clause in there. And it says that the use of graduate teachers for internal relief should be by agreement with the graduate teacher. So what that means is if you're in your first two years of teaching, which is when we say you're a graduate, uh, 2.1 or 2.2 or perhaps 2.3 if you started as a master's student, um, you should be exempt from internal relief. But again, we know um, that that can't always happen. Uh, some schools might only have graduate teachers or there might be three teachers in the school and somebody is away sick and we all still have duty of care over the kids. That comes first, right? But generally, you should be able to have some really good conversations with your school leadership, your relief coordinator um, about how that internal relief is going to work for you. Look, I know some grads are really keen to do internal relief. They're saving up for their home deposit and they're taking every single hour that comes their way. That's okay. If that's what you want to do, go for it. But most people are pretty keen to preserve some dot. So the best thing to do in terms of making sure you're putting some limits around that is have a chat as early as possible with your leadership and or relief coordinator. Perhaps you might say, oh, look, I'd like to keep um, Monday mornings free if at all possible, please put me last. Or you might say, you know what, my workload is completely overwhelming. I am um, doing everything I possibly can, but I need every minute of dot time I can get. Please put me at the bottom of the list. I really don't want internal relief. And under the agreement, I'm meant to actually agree to it. So, um, you know, please keep that in mind when you're, when you're allocating that relief. And again, uh, we're emphasising this an awful lot, but we know how difficult it is. You're new to the workplace. You might be on a fixed-term contract. You don't want to upset the person who's going to decide whether or not that fixed-term contract is extended or whether you'll uh, be a candidate for a more permanent role. But it really is important to make sure that in a cooperative and, and uh, uh, way that you stand up for your rights. Otherwise, you will end up burning yourself out. It won't be of any great service to the, the school, the students, um, or yourself. So uh, please do seek that support if you need it. 
um, but please do make sure you understand what your rights are so that you can protect uh, yourself and your school from the unintended consequences of trying to meet what are ever-growing demands for teachers at the moment. Um, now, there's another issue where uh, time can be taken up a very long time, and it's been very directly addressed in the 2021 general agreement. It was a key gain uh, in those negotiations. So let's talk about staff meetings. Yes, Clause 9. I love it. Okay, so Clause 9 basically says, now I'm taking the the legal speak of the agreement and I'm just going to tell you, you are only required to attend a maximum of five hours of staff meetings each term, right? So the good news is these staff meetings include learning area meetings, phases of learning meetings, student assessment reviews and meetings, committee meetings, curriculum planning meetings, professional development meetings, on-site or off-site network or cluster meetings, and school assessment and review meetings. So any meeting you can think of just about, if you're meeting with staff, it counts towards those five hours. So the idea is that this time, those five hours, are for collaborative purposes and it's to improve the performance of the school, really great things. Staff, though, need to be consulted on the agenda, the frequency, the timing and the venue of those meetings. So this is a really, really great one to not have to handle yourself because I can almost guarantee that if too many staff meetings is impacting you, it's probably impacting other members at your school. And when you go to your union rep, they might hold you know, a branch meeting and you'll find that you're sitting there with a bunch of other members who are also feeling like this is impacting on their, their personal time, their work-life balance in a big way, their workload. So this is something that's a, a great issue to deal with at a branch level and it allows the branch to work you know, constructively with the school to put some boundaries around that and make sure that everyone's working to that five-hour limit per term. And of course, uh, again, that emphasis is on constructive engagement. We, we've repeated it a lot through these uh, two podcasts around uh, these rights. It's not about fighting um, for the sake of fighting. It's about working together to make sure that your staff, your school uh, and your own well-being is protected um, using the agreed uh, parameters that have been negotiated with the employer, the Department of Education, and they are binding on all schools, by the way. This is not a situation where individuals get to decide they can apply different rules or they've got to do something different to make it work. They are a legal document. Um, this agreement is a legal document and uh, you have the right um, to access your rights, if you like. Um, we've talked about it again quite frequently, but let's just um, re-go back through, Chloe, how people can access support from the union when they've got an issue and they either don't want to handle it themselves or they need assistance in handling it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I would actually say pretty much any issue, it's a great idea to go to your, your branch um, rep anyway, your union rep at your school, because that way they know that it's an issue. And if it's affecting you, it might be affecting some of the other members in, at that branch as well. So first port of call is always your union rep. But if you can't get hold of them or if you're having trouble with your timetables, you know, lining up, you can give member a sister call. So that's our advice line on 9210-6060. You can call them for industrial advice. It's fully confidential um, and then you can choose where to go from there. You can also, uh, most of branches will also have an elected deputy rep who you can get in touch with or and or a women's contact officer. So there's some more people at your school that you can have a talk to um, and they can give you some advice on where to go next. And I think the reason that, you know, Bob and I keep talking about how to handle these issues is that when we first start teaching, um, it can be quite overwhelming to sort of know where to go. And you often assume that things will already be 
in place at your school and often that's not the case especially at the moment with a lot of turnover and staff shortages sometimes things are just getting missed so it's really important as a new teacher that you know where your support is and within the union we've got the growth team to look after new educators so if you would like to get in touch just for a little bit more advice or support you can email us at neweducator at sstuwa.org.au we can point you in the right direction and get you in touch with the right people to make sure that you've got the support that you need to get through these couple of years happy and healthy. And of course, uh, one of the reasons that we use uh, fish as our symbol uh, for the new educators goes right back to the origins of uh, don't swim alone in this uh, sometimes intimidatory environment that you're in as a new teacher. Just uh, join, the, join the school of fish, join the new educators, uh, get access to all that support and help. Uh, and you will find life becomes a lot easier. It's not perfect, perhaps, but certainly a lot easier with all that support. We are also there to support school leaders and principals. We have many, many school leader and uh, principal members, um, and we're not looking to have conflict between those different uh, membership groups. What we want to do is work collectively to address these uh, crucial issues and to ensure that we uh, protect teachers as much as we can at a time when the pressures are on education in our uh, public schools are becoming greater and greater. So um, we hope you've enjoyed listening to Chloe and to, to a lesser extent to myself on Western Teacher Live. Uh, do access your entitlements, be aware of your rights at work uh, and join us again uh, on the next issue of Western Teacher Live. Thank you so much for listening. Do you know your rights? Our Know Your Rights sheets are your easy-to-use guide to key employment rights, conditions and union advice on issues including leave, dot, work health and safety, workload and more.